can sense the Father calling out to every person in this room tonight. No matter where you might be at in your gauge of good, doing okay or doing really bad, you can really sense Him beckoning you, calling you to come and surrender. certain things that with God we find that they're one time events but there's other things in God where they're daily things that he's looking for where every day Jesus said this if you want to to follow me you've got to deny yourself take up your cross and follow me really was saying was you have to die to yourself then later on in the the epistles you see the the apostle Paul he said he picked up on that statement that Jesus made and he said I die daily so what he was saying was I didn't just have a moment at the front of a church and yield my life to Jesus and then carry on and figure it out along the way he was saying every day I surrender to the king because you see there is a contention for your attention there is a tug of war over your affection there is a tug of war over the things that you give priority to in your life there's a tug of war trying to take your gaze out of the eyes of Jesus every day some days we have amazing days And some days we have terrible days. And I can just hear the Father right now, 6.28 p.m. on a Sunday night, beckoning us again today, Sunday the 2nd of April, 6.29 p.m., to surrender afresh look like? It means you give all. I give you everything again, Jesus, right now in this moment. I give you my struggles. I give you my shame. I give you my sin. See, sometimes we come into church and we can barely lift our heads because we've been messing around with the wrong stuff and we know that our heart's condemning us and we don't know how to reconnect with God. We want to, but we feel ashamed. of God, the Bible says, it's new every day. You don't wear out God. Your your issues will never wear out God's love and compassion and grace and mercy for you. They're new every day. So this thing called surrender, it actually also looks like letting go of what you've called your idea of being a good Christian. your idea of being a good Christian is probably a little messed up. So is mine. Surrender looks like you giving God the keys to your life. Like if I walk you outside right now and take you to that white truck out there and I give you the keys, if I hand those keys over to that Chevy Suburban, they now become yours and the second they've left my hand, they don't belong to me anymore. That would be called surrendering my keys to you. 
why is it that we think that perfectly normal Christianity looks like giving God a word out of our mouth, but then holding on to the keys? We call that surrender. It's not. Surrender means to yield all without reservation. See, the thing is, is that sometimes what we do is we give God a verbal, I surrender, but we hold the keys and then we complain that it hasn't worked. We blame the church, we'll blame the pastors, we'll blame, you know, I don't understand God, God doesn't understand me. We'll come up with a million different ideas on how to explain that. But the reality is, is that what we actually need to explain is why we never gave the keys up. (laughs) God wants all of you. And He wants the all of you that looks the broken, most broken. He wants the all of you that is the most shameful, the most painful, and the most messed up. He wants your addiction. He wants your habitual sin. He wants the stuff that you can't explain to anybody. He wants us to surrender, guys. You know, and I was actually on this last trip. We just literally flew in from LAX right now. We just got back from New Zealand just, just a couple of hours ago. I was talking to the Lord about a couple of things and the Lord was telling me He wanted me to speak on some stuff not necessarily tonight but He just wanted telling me that He wanted me to go after a few aspects and I'm like God you've heard me say that stuff before and actually it wasn't that long ago and what His response to me was He said you all are like children He said how many times have you had to tell Benjamin this one thing in a day well that's a good point you raised there God because the thing is is that we get aggravated when we hear the same thing oh he's saying the same thing over again yeah just remember that God sees us as children and just remember how easily you forget the things he tells us I have to remember how easy I forget the things that he tells me because repetition is the best teacher until it drops in and you begin to own what God's been trying to get to us make sense Sometimes we hear things like, hey, you need to surrender. Hey, you need to give God your shame. Oh, I heard that last week. Well, maybe we're just a bunch of little children that God's trying to get a message to. What you have to be careful of is that it doesn't immunize you where you become numb to it. Where it's just the same old message and you just like, you turn off. You start checking your Facebook and Instagram in church, which personally I think is a crazy insult to God. But personally, Oh, yeah, it's just that thing again. Now, what does it really look like to surrender? Do you realize that while you give up in surrendering, you get the opportunity to stop fighting and and beating your fist at the wind? But in the same moment of surrender where you think you're giving up what you think control is and security, you're also giving up all of the stuff that's been tormenting you. And you're giving it to another one that's more capable because what we have been conditioned to believe is that we're in charge of sorting our lives out. And we call that normal Christianity. Hey, you need to fix that thing that you're doing. Hey, you need to change that thing. Or hey, you need to be a better person. And we call that normal Christianity. When Jesus clearly told us, he said, cast all your cares on me, I care for you. What does that actually look like? I think we need to get saved again. Because we got saved into something that actually was a half-truth. And it was a half self-imposed theology idea thing. Someone getting this? Surrender looks like, Jesus, I give you my life. See, because we're going to get to the point here where the people that come here 
are so burning on fire for God that you are the greatest threat to the devil in California. Dare I even say the world? Oh, that's pretty arrogant. No, it's not. How surrendered do you want to be? Because the more surrendered you are, the more pliable you are in the hands of God. The more pliable you are in the hands of God, the more you can sync with Him and as He moves, I move. And if you can do this thing where God starts to be able to move through you, because surrender really means to yield. That's what Jesus did, right? He yielded. The most powerful moment in human history was the moment of greatest surrender when Jesus gave Himself on a cross. And what He's asking us is He's saying, will you do this like I've done this? And, you know, sometimes we can't even surrender our hearts to God in a moment of worship. What makes you think you're going to surrender to God in a great moment? See, the thing is, is that like, we're going to have this place burning with fire. It's going to happen. Because I really believe that God's drawing a line in the sand. And that people want in are going to jump in. And people that say, oh, you're too crazy. You're too, they're just going to move on. That's fine. The line's already been drawn in the sand. I didn't draw it. Jeff didn't draw it. Bex didn't. The Spirit of God's drawing it. You're either in or you're out. You're hot or you're cold. You can't be lukewarm. You can't be in the middle saying, well, I like a little bit of the world and I like a little bit of God, so I'm just going to be here in the middle playing. Listen, man, you're a fool. God himself says, if that's how you live your life, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. Oh, that's pretty strong. Yep, exactly. It should be strong enough to freak you out. Look, if you, you're either going to be a devil or you're going to be like Jesus. There's actually no in between. God actually would respect you more if you're honest about being a devil than trying to be a little bit of both. Do you get that? Because if you notice, God wasn't frustrated with the people that wanted to be cold. He was frustrated with the people that wanted to be in between. I want to have a little bit of this and a little bit of that. I'm into like build a bear, except I'm going to build my own bear. And I'm going to look like this. No, you're either hot or you're cold. Come on, surrender looks like something. It looks like you giving up. Jesus, you win. You won. You can have it all. You see, and then it's not an act anymore. Now you don't have to perform. Now you don't have to be anything. Now you just can burn with God. Come on, somebody. What does it look like? It looks like you letting your ego go and giving it all to God. Here you go, God. I'm going to stop pretending to everyone that I'm like this great, amazing person. I'm going to be honest. I've got problems. But you can have them, Jesus. You guys get this? It's the most freeing act you can possibly do. Come on, somebody. I've just flown 13 hours around the world. I'm not here to, to be all melancholy. You didn't really think I came here to be melancholy, did you? Oh, let's have a little quiet Southern California meeting. No, let's burn. You're going to hear me saying this stuff for the rest of my life. And the rest of yours, if you'll stick around. Because we're going after something here, and it's not called lukewarm. It's called surrender. Because surrender is the place that God can answer. And when God answers, He answers with fire. He doesn't answer with an ice cold drink. He answers with fire. And your life will look different as a result. This isn't anything to be afraid of. Surrender isn't a loss. Surrender for us looks like freedom. Adam and Eve lost in the garden was that they believed for a moment that they could control their outcome. That's where they really went wrong. They believed for a moment that they could design their life because the fruit was an altering fruit. It altered the state of who they were. 
and they believed they could control it. If you want to save your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life for His sake, then you'll find it. Well, I just want to live my life. Well, that's fine. You live your life. I'm going to burn. I've heard you say this before, Andrew. Good, get used to it. I'm going to keep saying this until you get it, until you believe it, and then until you are so on fire that everyone around you starts getting on fire. Because here's the thing. I'm going to tell you guys something in the the history books, the, the chronicles of this church. We're a real small little room right now, but I know exactly where we're going because I've had visitations from God and He's showing me. The longest phase of this church's growth cycle is the one you're in right now. And heaven is sitting and watching saying, how long are they going to take to yield? Me too, they're looking at me. Because there's stuff I have to yield on another level. Because the second we all cross the line together, notice Acts chapter 2, when they were all in one place in one accord. What that means is they were all on the same page. They were all in unity. They were all going after the same thing. They weren't, there wasn't like a third of the room sitting over there saying, we're the youth group and we don't approve. And then there, there wasn't the old people saying, this isn't relevant to us. And then the, all the people in the middle that were like, well, we were with Jesus a little bit and we know what God wants and we're, we're better than you guys. There was none of that. There was just surrender. That's why there was 120 people in a room for 40 days waiting for God. The longest growth cycle in this church is the one you're in right now. And it's heaven looking to us saying, how long will it take for them to yield? Because the se- because you see, your yielding actually looks like your, your spiritual DNA changing. And the second your spiritual DNA begins to change, you're gonna start looking more like Jesus because what you give up wasn't yours anyways. And who you gain is really the image of Christ. Does this make sense? And when you cross that line, God begins to burn in you with His Spirit. And then all of a sudden, you can see in Acts chapter 2, there was 120 people that went from, maybe they were a bit confused the first day they hung out. By the 40th day, they were all in one accord. Mighty wind comes in. There's tongues of fire burning on all of them. Notice there's fire, not, not ice popsicles. There's fire. And all of a sudden, Peter stands up and he starts preaching the coward telling you your spiritual DNA is going to change when you yield. When you surrender, something's going to change in you. Peter was the guy that was cussing out that he even knew Jesus. He was lying. He was cutting people's ears off. And something happened to him where the old Peter changed and a new Peter stood up and he was filled with the Holy Spirit. His DNA had changed and he starts prophesying and preaching saying these these people aren't crazy and drunk like you, everyone in the city, you think. Dude, 120 people. It took the longest. It took 40 days plus the three and a half years with Jesus. But in 30 minutes, 3,000 were added to the 120. It only took 30 minutes. Come on, do you guys get this? It's how quickly you want to yield. How quickly you you can sit back and say, well, I've grown up in church my whole life and I know how it's supposed to look. Do you? Where's the 3,000 people following you? Because if you're truly burning, 
something should have happened. Your DNA should have changed in such a way spiritually where you cross the line. And now you're not trying to tick the boxes and build your white picket fence and be socially acceptable and be relevant to the world. Now you don't care. If you notice when, when, when the mighty rushing wind came in, it was very unrelevant to the world. Do you guys get this? It was a disturbance that caused people to scratch their heads at nine o'clock in the morning and say, these people must have been drinking all night. It wasn't normal. It wasn't something that everyone was used to, so it was marketed and designed so that people would like it and come. See, when God, when you yield to God, you actually don't care what you look like anymore. You see what I'm saying? Do you notice that I'm challenging your culture? Come on, what's it gonna take? And I was speaking to someone. I was, I was ministering, Bex and I were ministering to, to a couple of people this last week in New Zealand. With my eyes, I watched a spirit of deception physically come off her. Her eyes opened and from that point on, she's been thinking differently. What's it gonna take? What world do you wanna live in? (laughs) Well, let's just boil it all back to this. God, you can have all of me. My future, my present, my ambitions, the timing of when I think things are supposed to happen, the timing of all the things I've asked you for but haven't happened yet, the disappointments of my life, the strongholds of my life, the sin issues that I feel uncomfortable talking to you about, but you're the very person I need to talk to about it. Surrender. Here's another really good one. I'm going to surrender all my criticism. Criticism is just pride speaking. I'll just leave that there. No, I'll say it again. Criticism is just pride speaking. And what it's saying is, I'm better than you. And that, what that does is that stops Acts chapter 2 happening. You see? Because it creates a hierarchical thing and it stops the Holy Spirit blessing. You can go to Psalms 110. It says that there was unity where the blessing of the Lord is commanded. Where unity is, that is where the blessing of God is commanded. Where you establish unity, God can't hold back blessing. And I'm not talking about money right now. I'm talking about just life. I'm talking about everything that God's told you just coming into being. Sometimes we just need to put all our criticism aside. Actually, every time we need to put our criticism aside. If it's got that snarky thing on it. If it's something that's genuinely going to bring positive change, then you need to go present that in the right way. That's awesome. But don't you ever let it come out of a wrong heart because if you are, all you're doing is you're voicing the devil's opinion. And you're his mouthpiece. What that looks like is a false prophet. Because the opposite is someone that voices what God has to say, right? Okay, anyways. Surrender. See, check this out. I was sitting on the plane and I was marveling at the statement I've heard so many times. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. It, it dawned on me. We all think that that looks like Christ in me is the hope for the whole world. That's what we think, right? Most of us. 
glory is heaven. Glory is the person of God. Jesus in you is the hope of God's heart and plan for the world. But it's His hope. God's hope is in you. Think about that. Like, oh God, I put my hope in you. God's saying, Christ in you, my hope for the world. You just feel God just blowing out in this room right now. You guys feel this? You need to stop acting the victim and you need to start surrendering. Because the faster you surrender, is, is going to put you closer to a place where you just start seeing multiplication happening everywhere. And I need it. I'm not saying I'm there. I'm, I'm on a journey. But I don't want this taking 20 years. I don't want to be an old man. I want it now. What's it going to take? Well, maybe it's just one thing that you need to let go and have let God have it. Maybe it's you thinking that you're in control of your life. Maybe it's you thinking, well, I need three nights to myself a week. Maybe it's you thinking, oh, well, it's me that, you know, I need to have all these rules and boundaries. I'm not going to, you know, I've seen people get hurt in ministry before, and so I'm never going to let that happen to me. Maybe you've made vows. Come on, I know that stuff, I know this is the Holy Ghost right now. Because I shouldn't be up here talking like I am after the journey I've just been on. (laughs) See, sometimes we make vows because, oh, I was around ministry, my parents were in ministry, and people got hurt, and people got messed up. And so I'm just going to be close enough where I can feel the warmth and the fire, but I'm never going to jump in and commit like I saw them. Because what if what happened to them happens to me? Well, let me ask you this question. What if what happened in Acts chapter 2 happens to you? What if? Is it worth it? It's worth it. Maggie, come on, we can do this. We can just cross the line. The thing is, is that we've made so many reasons and excuses to hold back and we need to let that stuff go because all that is, is the devil being negotiating with you and intimidating you with fear. And God's just saying, Christ in you, the hope of my heart for everything that I've planned. Come on. We, we have an option right now where we're at right now with this little church. We can sit here and we can have a lovely little church where we just enjoy God for the rest of our lives or we can crack the egg open and let it burn. And it won't take that much. It just takes you crossing the line saying, God, you know, I had all these plans. I, I, I wanted to do this or I wanted to do that or I wanted to be this or I wanted to be that, but I'm letting that go now. And I'm actually, see, too many people know Jesus as their Savior but not as their Lord. Think on that for a second. Too many people know Jesus as their Savior, but refuse Him to be their King. God's given me free will. Yeah, to bow to Him. (laughs) He's the King. He's the Lord of Lords. He's the King of Kings. He is going to rule forevermore. What makes you think that your free will is meant for anything other than to bow to Him and surrender? Honestly, we've got it wrong. We've been modern churched. You know how I am with that modern church stuff. I don't like it because it's taken away the purity and the innocence of bowing and surrendering and being pure with God and letting Him have everything. You guys here, I know God's been touching you lately. Just keep giving everything to Him because over the next few years, God's going to do something phenomenal with your lives. No, honestly. You haven't seen anything yet. You haven't, you haven't seen it around you to put a gauge on what, wants to, what God's going to do with your lives. You haven't, but you're going to. 
It just takes someone letting go and actually giving themselves to God. See, the thing is for me, it's like, I've, I know that Jeff, same things for Jeff, same things for Bex and probably others in this room, but there's been, there's been a process that I've had to walk through. And I think I talked about it last time I ministered before we left and I, I kind of started joking around. I said it like 20 times in my message that I don't care. That's not me just trying to make a statement or trying to be cool or trying to be the next catchphrase of, oh, I don't care. That, honestly, guys, you have to go through a dying process where you don't actually care what anyone thinks, that you only care what God thinks. Because while you, while you revere the applause and approval of people, you are a prisoner to the devil. And the Bible says that the, snare, the, the, the fear of man is a snare. It's a trap. That's why the Bible says that the, the fear of God is the beginning of all wisdom. You see the difference? So sometimes God has me stand up here and He has me say things that I don't want to say. And I, don't, I have to respect Him more than I respect you. Is that okay? I love everyone here. We've given our lives to be here. And that might not sound much because it's this tiny little room with just a few people. I don't really care about that. We've given everything to be here to serve this place. And that doesn't make us special. That just makes us yielding in that area. There's other areas we need to yield in. But I'm asking you to do the same where you cross the line. Because God wants every part of you. When God says, hey, I want you to get up and go see that person. When God says, hey, I want you to get on the phone. When God says, hey, I want you to go get $500 out of your bank account and go give it to that person. They really need it right now. And I'm not going to give you a reason. I'm just going to tell you you need to do it. And that's the only $500 that you have in your entire life. See, yieldedness looks like you giving everything to God. But it's the place where God actually sees you cross the line and He says, this I can bless. Surrender. I wasn't planning on saying all this. It just God just wants to speak. Surrender looks like you're getting on the altar. In the Old Testament, there's a picture I want to paint for you so that you start to understand what I'm trying to say here. Because the Bible tells us to present ourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. What that means is that God won't accept you any other way. Do you understand this? God won't accept you any other way other than a living sacrifice. Do you get this? Now, He accepts us just as you are. I'm not talking about the fact of, oh, well, I came to Jesus and I gave my life. But if you really want to mean business with God, God's not going to take you halfway lukewarm. He's only going to take you as a living sacrifice. This is what a living sacrifice looks like. The altar in the Old Testament, it was made out of 12 massive stones. I didn't realize till several years back that on the corner, on the four corners of that altar was a, I think it was a brass horn, like a cow's horn. It was a brass horn on the corner of each of the corners of the four, of the four points of the, of the altar. And when, the, when they would bring living sacrifices before the Lord, like a, let's just say like a lamb, they would tie each of the legs to those horns. So the animal was literally laying on the altar, bound down. Now, symbolically, the horn, which is also referred to as the horn of oil that the prophets would take, speaks of the anointing and power. And you have to bind yourself to the power of God. 
When God is asking you to become a living sacrifice, He is asking you to yield yourself where you no longer have control because you have bound yourself. That's why Paul called himself a bond servant. He crossed the line. He gave all. He can't See, giving all looks like and surrendering looks like you giving to God what you cannot take back. It doesn't look like you saying something on Sunday and doing something different on Tuesday. You give all and it's done. And that's the place where God says, this here, I can accept this. This is pleasing to me. This is holy and acceptable. And I'm going to answer this with fire. And it's at that point, there is a shift and things begin to change. What does this look like? This looks like you losing control. So that's why it's the most scary thing I could talk about tonight. Because this is a place of orphans. This territory is full of orphans. And we've all been touched by it in some way. And we've we've been hurt in one way or the other. And so we've vowed to have control. It's hard, isn't it? It's hard when God says, I want you to surrender to me. Because you see, some of us is like, well, what if I never get a husband? Or what if I never get a wife? Or what if I never come into that thing? Or what if that one dream never comes into play? If it's fear, it is the devil literally trying to scare you out of covenanting with the greatest being in the universe that has told us that he's no man's debtor. You can't outgive God, which means you can't give God the control of your life and not have him honor you in return. <laughs> so the thing that you think that in your ability that you can attain for yourself is a dwarfed molehill in comparison to what God actually has in store for your life. The problem is, is that we're down on the molehill level looking at the molehill saying, this is everything. I, don't, I can't get past this molehill. And God's like, I've got this big Mount Everest over here, pile of goodness and blessing that you can't see because you're standing on such a funky angle that the molehill is shadowing out Mount Everest. And you're not looking at it with the right perspective. Surrender gets you over the molehill well, I need to do this and I need to make this kind of money and I need to travel here and I need to, you know, I, I promised myself when I was young that I was going to do a year of traveling. Well, maybe your promise just got in the way of God's plans. Maybe you need to surrender that. I'm not saying you just go give it up randomly. I'm just saying maybe you need to go to God and ask Him if it's something that's in the way. Because the problem is, is that we've made plans. We make plans and most of the time we mess up if we haven't had the counsel and input of God. Is this okay? I know you guys were really hoping I was coming back to give you an encouraging message. I know some of you were asking God, God, please, when he comes back, please, God. (laughs) This is an encouraging message. This connects you with the blessing of heaven. And it actually disconnects you with the very things that you think are comforting, but they're the very things that are tormenting you. It's like having parasitic organisms in your intestinal tract and saying, well, this is all I've ever known. They're a part of me. Just let that sink in for a second because that's exactly what it looks like in the spirit realm. Fear is a parasitic organism that has nothing to do with your destiny. Nothing to do with it. It's trying to pull you into an alternate reality. It's real simple. I give you everything. 
See, that's why some of the old hymns, like, you know, I mean, I grew up in a church that made everyone sing hymns and there was nothing else and it was kind of blown. But I'm telling you, that generation had something that we don't. Because all our, a lot of, not, not, I'll be careful how I say this. A big portion of the culture of today's worship is all about me enjoying God's presence instead of me bowing in submission to His holiness. It's all about the power of God in me and me using it rather than being in awe and wonder of the majesty of the King. We need more of that. It's called the language of the Spirit. You can tell someone that's written a song because they know how to entertain people and use some Christian lingo versus someone that actually has been bowed in the presence of God and comes out in awe and writes something that's birthed in His presence. There's a difference. I feel it when I listen to some songs. We need to get this. The thing is, if you're starving, you'll eat anything. You won't discern it. You'll eat a rotten piece of steak and not even know it was rotten until the next day when you start feeling sick. But if you're discerning because you've been with the King, because you've surrendered, you'll start to know what you want and what you don't. Does this make sense? Surrender is the key to you growing in God. Surrender is the key to God breaking out. Because here's the thing. If you really cross the line, you will start to burn so passionately that those around you in the supermarket store will begin to feel the flames. Those in your workplace will start to get lit by God on you. Christ in you, the hope of glory will start touching the world. Come on, you are heaven's hope. I am heaven's hope. Stop putting your bucket list and your five-year plan in front of God's majesty. Do you realize how stupid some of us are gonna feel when we get to heaven and you begin to start to understand the landscape of eternity? I can't even get that, guys. You've been conditioned that 70 to 80 years is a good life. 70 to 80 years isn't even the first day in eternity. The Bible says that a thousand days with man is as one day with God and vice versa, which means there's actually no gauge for it. But what you've been prioritizing for the next 30 to 40 years of your life and your amazing retirement plan, and all these things might have levels of wisdom to them, so don't throw it all out and go sell your house and give all your money away, and hopefully Jesus is coming back tomorrow. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is that maybe the things that you have idolized and worshiped have nothing to do with the face of Jesus. God doesn't mind you having nice things. God wants you to enjoy your life. He wants you to go to Disneyland. He wants you to have fun. But if that's your focal priority, you're not in love with Jesus. Oh, see. I mean, I love that stuff. Personally, I love that stuff. I think it's great. But that should be the stuff you do in between. Burning. And even while you're there, you should be burning. Do you get what I'm saying? (laughs) We need to get this, guys. We need to get this. 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 Jesus, we worship you. We worship you. You are our number one lover. We, We renounce all other lovers. We renounce every other lover, every other idol that we've worshiped. We renounce every other thing that we've put above you. That's why in the Ten Commandments, you shall worship no other foreign gods. God literally, back then before Jesus even showed up, He's a jealous God. He doesn't tolerate other things. 
Isn't it funny how sometimes we actually get more excited about certain things than God? I mean, we just went to New Zealand, which is supposed to be, according to most Americans, like one of the most amazing places on earth, and it is. We went and saw all our family, and that was cool. But that's not the focal point of my life. I love my family. I love my wife's family. It was awesome. All the little uh, cousins played, all the little three-year-olds running around, jumping on trampolines. It made us a little sad because our kids don't have that here. That's part of our price. We had to give that up because we could have a huge family and all the little kids having fun and all the little kids having friends. We don't really have that here. You have to understand, if you become so precious about stuff, you will miss the point of heaven. Jesus was in a house full of people and, and people came to the door. Hey, Jesus, your mother and your brothers and sisters are outside. Their priority, right? You should let them come in and have the front row. Jesus' immediate response was, who are my mother and father and brother and sister? Who are they? Because now you've got to realize he's giving you a DNA recognition. Those that do the will of the Father. That was his response. Someone getting this. He didn't say those that do everything they want to do. He said those that do the will of the Father. I said, we've all got auto default functions and we actually need the fire of God to come and burn through all of those. All those things that, oh, I need to do this now. Oh, I need to do this now. No, you just need to stand and burn in God. You just need to let God have all of you without reservation. Jesus' name. Me too, I need this. Burn out all my auto default functions, God. You know, the prophet Elijah had an auto default function. The prophet Elijah had an auto default function. As soon as Jezebel, the queen, Queen Jezebel, evil woman, as soon as she started threatening him with her words, he ran and hid in a cave. That's a bad auto default function. That stuff has no place in our lives. We just need to actually let God have all of us. Because those that know their God are strong. They're bold. They're mighty. And they'll do great exploits. Come on. It takes... Look, Peter went from being a coward to being one of the boldest guys in the whole city. 3,000 people got saved. That's not enough people to help you like with your daily counseling needs from, from 120. That's a busy little church family. God wants to get on you and change everything on the inside of you. He wants to change it up. In Jesus' name. God is reminding you that He wants you to surrender. He's reminding me that He wants me to surrender because here's the thing. You can't offend a dead person. You also can't seduce a dead person. You can't hurt a dead person. I'm not saying you're literally going to die. What I'm saying is all the stuff that you that's alive in you that's screaming out me, 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 that gets to die and Jesus gets to live on the inside of you, the hope of glory. Come on. And you have a world to change. You have hundreds, every person in this room, there's hundreds of lives. Some of you thousands of lives on the other side of you crossing this line. Is it worth it? It's worth it. It's worth it. Sometimes we get caught up with all our own personal issues and our own little offenses and our own little messed up ways of thinking. And you know what? It's actually worth just crossing the line and letting Jesus have everything. I'm just going to keep saying this stuff until like... See, the thing is, is that it's going to come across this room like popcorn. 
You're just gonna watch people just, like I know that everyone here loves Jesus, I get that. And if you don't, I'm gonna invite you to come to the front and you can give your life to Jesus because you need him. The stuff that's been messing your life up, the, the stuff that the sin in your life, the, the hopelessness, the rejection, all that stuff that's been messing you up, He's the answer that you've been looking for. He will set you free, give you hope, purpose, and meaning. And He will save your soul. And you need that. But here's the thing. It doesn't just stop with you. The rest of the world needs you to burn with this. Isn't it interesting how so many people are preaching motivational messages? It's like motivational speaking in church. It's nice to listen to. It's like going to a multi-level marketing meeting. It's like, yeah, I could have the house on the hill with the big car. (sighs) Yeah, but nothing changes. We need God to tackle us front on with His goodness and actually confront our dysfunction and pull us into this thing called being alive by letting go. If you want to gain your life, then lose it. And you lose it to Jesus by surrendering. But if you want to hang on, you end up losing it. We just yield our hearts to you tonight. I ask that you would help us to recalibrate with what surrender really looks like to you over our lives, God. Whatever that looks like, God, that you would just pull us close. challenge us tonight because this room it's all up to us how quickly we shift into this thing we're going there but I want to go there quick and it's actually up to us children of Israel could have gone in in a few days to the promised land it took 40 years we're not going to take 40 years there's people that don't want to go that's fine I ain't waiting around I'm going (laughs) it's just pretty much that simple Anyways, I love you guys. It's really good to be back. I'm going to hand this over to my beautiful wife. No, you might fall asleep, but yeah, we'll keep it going. Anyone can surrender something that doesn't cost a lot. Oh God, I surrender this one penny I found in the deep, dark parts of my pocket right now. Woo! Give it all, Jesus. Yes. You're in the service tonight. You're like, yes, I have my life. Thinking about that picture, have you guys ever seen this picture? It's kind of floating around social media, and it's like a picture of Jesus with this giant teddy bear behind his back, and he's leaning down towards, I don't know if the little girl or boy, and the little girl or boy is holding their little tiny teddy bear. And he's leaning over, and the little child can't see the giant teddy bear right back here, but he's like, just give me your teddy bear right now. Give me your teddy bear. And the kid's like, You know, the little look on the cartoon face. He's like, this is all I have. 
and it's like this big. And the one behind his back is like giant teddy bear, like, you know, a hundred of his little teddy bears with the other one. And it made me think about, honestly, in surrender to God and giving your all for him, you only gain, you know, and it's, it's actually so freeing because you give up your control and your ability to make anything happen, just like what Andrew said. You know, so I, what I want to add to that is like, God probably wants the thing that's the most precious to you. I give you my life. Okay, what's that most precious thing? Think about it. Your future spouse, your job, your love for certain friendships that you shouldn't be having anymore, or, you know, certain hobbies you do that don't give glory to God, your obsession with social media, whatever it is, it's the thing you really don't want to give up. Most of the time, that's what true surrender is. It's when it costs you. Because if you look at the love of God that he so loved us, it costs him everything. So when you're talking about surrender to God, it's going to cost you. Because as he is, so are we. And it's not so that we can be without, it's so that that giant teddy bear back here is going to come to you. But as long as your hand is, is holding your tiny, minuscule, miniature, tiny teddy bear, you won't be able to grab a hold of that big one behind his back. You know, and sometimes the things you need to surrender to, your opinions. I have, you know, this, this generation, this millennial generation, bless it, I'm a part of it. But we feel so important when we can disagree with something and have our big opinion about it. It's like, oh, I all of a sudden feel a little bit more uh, mature, like I know more, like I can one-up on someone if I disagree and have my opinion. Maybe you need to surrender that. Maybe it's time to get rid of that. Maybe you don't always have to have the last say. Maybe you don't always have to be right. Maybe you need to stop flirting with the world. Maybe you need to start giving up things that are bearing no fruit in your life. Maybe you need to stop comparing yourselves to other Christians and thinking you're better and you're doing so good because you're way further along than them. Therefore, I'm doing great. You don't compare yourself to someone else. You compare yourself to the benchmark of Jesus and all of us can grow. Amen. I just wanted to add, a couple, add that on to what Andrew said because you can sit here in a service and I grew up in church and just be like, I give it all, yeah. And like the background music is really amazing and you're in the moment. What does that really look like though? Let's put that in a sentence. Give him your future spouse. Give it to him. Give him your uh, social media two hours a day. Give it to him. Give him your parties. Give him your, uh, maybe there's some friends that you're spending too much time with and they're starting to influence you and you're starting to go backwards. Give those up. It might sting. It might hurt in the meantime. But in six months time, you're going to turn around and say, you're going to look with the ditch that they're in and be like, thank God I walked away. In the moment, it looked like I was losing my little tiny miniature teddy bear, but I didn't realize that as I let that go, the giant big cuddly one came to me. You know, it's the same with our finances. Surrender. It's just a a symbolic sign of what's already going on in your heart. That's why we talk about it so much in this church, because so much of your life is tied up with your finances. Amen? If you have a full-time job, you're spending more time working for money than anything else. And, that's, and when you give to God out of, out of uh, um, a cheerful heart and out of excitement and joy, it's like you're, you're, almost, you're representing all, everything you work hard for that week and saying, I put you first. This is important. I surrender. 
really that's what the offering time is. It's about surrendering a little piece of your heart. A little, you know, you spend all those hours. Here you go, Jesus. I love you. And the scripture that I got was from Ecclesiastes 11. I won't read it. But cast your bread upon waters, and after many days it will return to you. And we know the scripture that says, as long as the earth remains, so shall seed time and harvest. And I love being able to sow into the kingdom because after many days, your seed will return to you. Not the same way you planted it, but way more multiplied, pressed down, shaken together, flowing over your life. That one tiny little act of surrender with that seed. And it's actually not about uh, what anyone else thinks you sow. It's about you and God. Sometimes when I'm worshiping or in a service, you know, sometimes you can get caught up with who's in the room or what's going on. Sometimes just even as a worship leader, I'll be up there and I'm like, I'm just going to picture only Jesus standing there as I'm worship leading right now. I'm just going to picture him. I'm just singing right at him, like awkward, just singing right at him. If there was only one person in the room, praise you, Jesus. Okay. We can do that with the offering too. I'm going to look at you. I'm going to pretend like you're sitting right there. And I'm going to say, hey, Lord, this is for you. I'm going to put it straight into your hand. And I'm going to look into your eyes as I'm doing it. I'm not going to flick you one. I'm not going to hear a whole sermon about surrender and then go into this mechanical mode. And There's my offering. Carry on. I'm just going to picture you sitting on this orange carpeted stage right here. And I'm going to look into your eyes and tell you how much I love you with my seed. This is one of the pillars of our church. We live this stuff. Are you prosperity? Yeah, actually we are because God wants to prosper us even as our soul prospers. Amen. But we're the kind of preaching where we just picture Jesus on his throne right here. And we're looking into his eyes saying, I see you. You see this. And I'm going to put this into your hand, Jesus, because I love you. I'm not going to listen to a whole sermon about surrender and then cut it off when it comes time to give. It's actually beautiful what's happening right now because we can put an action to what we already did in our heart this service. I surrender, I surrender. Okay, Jesus, here's a seed into your hand. I surrender. Here's an outward sign of what I already did in my heart 10 minutes ago while we prayed. Such an honor to be in a relationship with Jesus. It's not actually about all these politics that the world makes it to be. It's just simple relationship. I love you. You love me. You gave your life. I give mine in response. Thank you that our finances, our seeds, our hearts, everything we talked about tonight is so much more powerful when it's in your hands instead of ours. And I thank you for the power of multiplication and of answers coming from heaven as a result of us sowing tonight, God.